Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week we will discuss Berlin's online auction house, Auctionata, merging with a U.S. company. Startup Bootcamp has announced it will launch a food tech accelerator in Italy this November, so we'll take a look at that. We'll discuss Norwegian startup Timely that has announced seed funding from SNO Ventures and 500 Startups. And our editor, Robin, as usual, has a chance to catch up with some great people from the ecosystem every week. So we will have German startup IM featured this week. And Neil and I will wrap it up with a discussion of startup investment in Amsterdam. So it's a pretty international, I think we have a good mix of different geographies this week. Let's get started with the Auctionata merger. So for anyone who doesn't know Auctionata, this is a Berlin-based startup and an online auction house. Essentially, the startup founded in 2012 replicates the entire auction house experience online for luxury, fine arts, antiques. Looks like they have sales that generally top out at about $500,000 maximum per item, but they have actually beat that. They've apparently sold an 18th century Chinese clock for over $3 million. And now they're merging with US company Paddle 8, who essentially does the exact same thing. So Auctionata actually announced a 42 million euro series C round last March. So that's 2015. And they have some great funds uh, working with them like TA, Early Bird, eVentures, Kite Ventures. They're all backing the company. I actually, I didn't realize there were so many great funds uh, working with them. Yeah, I mean, that's when they first came to my attention as well, was when I was looking at fundraising last year. I mean, like you say, 42 million euro Series C. It was actually one of the biggest Series C last year. Off the top of my head, I'm not 100% sure if it was the biggest, but it was certainly up there as one of the largest last year. I mean, and as you can see, you know, 42 million way above the average uh, Series C for a European company. So clearly they were a company that could see the opportunity in the market were growing quite fast and needed that capital to expand. And now it kind of looks like that bet that their investors made last year has paid off. Yeah. And I mean, last year, the company had over 300 employees. They were operating out of six different countries. Now they're joining forces with Paddle 8, who apparently got famous last year when they raised $2 million for a unique copy of the final Wu-Tang Clan album. I find that hilarious because you have one that's selling an 18th century Chinese clock, another that's selling rap albums. But together, Auctionata and Paddle 8 have combined sales of about $150 million for 2015 and over 800,000 members. So it's a huge user base. And apparently, Auctionata co-founder Alexander Zaki, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, will be reportedly leading the joint company. So it's, it's interesting that they've actually decided to let, it sounds like, Berlin's team kind of lead the way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite an interesting space, this, right? I mean, it's almost like a upmarket version of eBay, essentially. So obviously, you know, this market has been popular online for quite a while when you think about bidding and auctioning off items. Uh, you know, eBay has been around for such a long time now, one of the earliest kind of successes of the internet era almost. And, you know, this is kind of extension of that, except it's kind of more upmarket, fine art, antiques. So taking that angle, and actually you'd think, 
you know, how big is the market for that? You know, one or two free sites could probably handle that. But actually, there's so many of these companies in this auction space. I've seen them in kind of all the local markets, clearly kind of specifying and dedicating themselves to local markets as a big play. Uh, and then looking outside of that as well, there's clearly a kind of merger and acquisition opportunities as this auction art deal shows us. But yeah, I'm kind of shocked by how many companies kind of operate in this space or uh, I guess how many people have fine art and antiques that they can sell online. And what actually is hilarious to me is that they're always kind of uh, mentioned alongside Christie's and Sotheby's and every article will say they're not competing with them. They're nowhere near them. But I do find it hilarious that there are actually online companies like digital companies like this being mentioned alongside those giants. So maybe we will see this new merger kind of really rise up. But now let's take a look at Startup Bootcamp. So the Accelerator Network is reportedly gearing up to launch a food tech accelerator in Italy later this year. Startup Bootcamp made the announcement on their site, mentioning that the program would be open to 10 startups to apply to the program in Rome by September 19th. So any startups interested, that is the deadline and only 10 startups will make it. The program provides 15K euros to each of the startups in exchange for 6% of the company. The food tech program, so this specific program, is reportedly backed by Cisco, food and wine magazine publisher Gambero Rosso, Quintalia, El Venture Group, and more. Obviously, we've covered food tech quite a bit on this podcast. We did actually mention that investment in the food delivery space had slowed down quite a bit on the last podcast episode. Personally, I find this a really interesting play. I think the Italian market is really great for this type of program. And I'm really interested to see how this specific program performs. I'm just, you know, food tech, Italy, it kind of just feels like so evident. Why hasn't anyone done it yet? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's it's kind of so obvious in a way. I mean, playing up to stereotypes uh, as well, <laughs> definitely the, the kind of Italy, good food and, and kind of they should be innovating in this area. It does kind of make sense without being too uh, stereotypical. But I, I think it's a really interesting program here as well, because we talk about the food space. I mean, so often we talk about food delivery, but that is a space that requires a lot of capital to be involved in to actually make a dent in the market and to actually get something off the ground so you know to be getting fifteen thousand euros in a food delivery space isn't going to do you much or you're not really going to be able to get much off of the ground so it is quite interesting i imagine that the kind of criteria for food startup will be quite broad and i'd imagine or hope that we'd see some kind of more innovative ideas and simply delivery and i I expect to see that so in the same way that you're looking for i'm definitely looking forward to seeing the type of companies that go in because i do think there's there's still a lot of room to innovate in the food space just not really in the delivery space and you need so much capital to compete in it that it's simply you know starting in a, a early stage uh, accelerator of a little bit of cash isn't really going to take you very far, no matter what the accelerator is. Um, so yeah, for me, I think we should we should hope to see some real kind of diversity in terms of the food ideas, and then this could be really really interesting. Yeah, and hopefully we won't see too many in the delivery space. Otherwise, that would just be a little bit sad. 
Now, Norwegian time tracking app Timely has just announced a round of funding. And while many of the listeners are probably thinking that it's not a mega round of funding, I mean, it's only $1 million in seed. It is, however, coming from some really great investors. So Snow Ventures and Dave McClure's 500 Startups, I guess that's definitely something to pay attention to in Europe. And also, it isn't every day that we get to cover a Norwegian startup on the podcast. So this is hopefully a unique but not so unique opportunity that we don't get to do it again. The product is available on desktop, iPhone, Apple Watch, and it's essentially a scheduling and timekeeping product. Actually, when I was uh, taking a look at it, I felt like I probably need something like this. They're currently working with 750 paying customers in 40 different countries. Actually, that's quite remarkable, I feel like, for such a tiny company. And they apparently integrate with a lot of other business apps. So obviously, 500 startups I had heard of. They've announced their pre-accelerator in the Nordics. And the startup will actually be joining later this month. Yeah, I mean, this, this is quite interesting. Well, I, I mean, for me, I always feel like this space is so crowded or so many people operating in it. How can you differentiate? But I actually know that this company, I mean, you, you kind of hinted it there almost or, or kind of reveal it in the sense that 750 paying customers, they're turning a decent profit each month. Well, I say profit, they're turning decent revenue each month. So I, you know, I know that they're doing pretty well on the, on the business front, which is quite interesting, really, because, you know, for me, I, I just cannot see that opportunity in, in how you can make a decent amount of money doing this. So yeah, I, I'm very happy to be proved wrong here. And they're clearly a startup that, that actually have a lot of potential. And this is also 500 startups biggest investment in the Nordic so far. So they have been like you say having a pre accelerator, they had one in Oslo, they've got distro dojo in Stockholm, they've kind of made six, eight around that number of investments in the Nordics. But this is actually their biggest investment so far. So I know they are very excited about the company. Yeah. And actually what was funny was I just don't feel like I've seen that many products available on Apple Watch. So this is not a first for me, but it's probably up there, like one of the first few that I've actually seen. Obviously, talking about 500, we've all heard of 500, but I was unfamiliar with SNO Ventures. Are they well known in the Nordics? Uh, they're new. That's why you haven't heard of them. Although many times on this podcast, we haven't heard of a lot of people. In this case, they're a new fund. I, yeah, I've personally heard of them, but I know that they're fairly new. I think I had some contact with them earlier in the year and, and kind of I knew that they were setting up, but I believe if this is not their first. It's certainly one of their first investments. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't find any other of their investments on the website, but hopefully Timely will be a success and they'll do other successful investments as well. And anyone based in the Nordics looking for funding should definitely check them out. Next up, our editor Robin had a chance to catch up with German photo sharing startup IM. Hey, this is Robin from TechU. I'm here with Lawrence from IM. What do you do at IAM? You're one of the founders? Hey, Robin. Yeah, I'm one of the founders at IAM, and uh, I'm mainly focusing on product. Uh, so the fun part, right? The fun part. <laughs> so for those who don't know, what's IAM? Uh, IAM is a marketplace and community for photographers. Um, so right now we are 17 million photographers, and um, we exist since 2010. We started out really from the art side, you know, did a lot of exhibitions and so on. So we are a place for people who are passionate about photography, but also starters. So we help people educate them to become better. And all of this is connected to IM Market, uh, which is a marketplace that enables you to sell photos straight from your phone. So we have partnerships with companies like Getty Images, Alami, and can actually help you to distribute your images very easily straight from your pocket. All right. Um, so how is Market doing? Like, is it growing? What kind of numbers are you seeing? Um, is it a really viable product uh, already? Or 
Are yeah. you still like working? Yeah, to us, it's amazing. Uh, so we really love it. Um, instead of, you know, having ads in our community, we actually have a revenue model that evolves around the quality of photography and the passion of photography for people. Um, so it's working really well. Um, we launched about two years ago with Getty. It's a great partner. Uh, you might know the company. So it's one of the leading photography companies worldwide. Amazing to work with them. Um, and since a year, we also sell directly through our website. The whole thing has been growing good. So we're very happy with it and it keeps on going. Right. And you also have this thing called Missions, which is very specific to the IM app. Uh, can you briefly explain what it is? Exactly. So uh, Missions, it's, it's essentially creative challenges, right? So um, our community is very active and always tries to find like new tasks and things to take photos of. So um, what we do is we trigger like little competitions, for example, something around springtime relevant right now, um, where they can actually start to shoot and upload the images to Oftentimes we work together with brands there as well. So for example, we did some stuff with Airbnb um, around like homes and traveling uh, through different uh, cities and so on. So it's a really fun way to kind of get inspired and start shooting. Nice. So you guys are still based in Berlin. Uh, how many people are you? We are around 80 people right now. So our headquarters is in Berlin. That's where we are coming from, keeping it real, you know, right. <laughs> Yeah, but we also do have little satellite offices in San Francisco and in New York. Um, and that's really important for us also to keep in touch with the, with the scenes and especially the US market, which essentially since day one is our main market. Got it. Okay. Uh, but being in Berlin, do you still find like a startup scene as exciting as it used to be? Is it still easy to find the right talent here? Uh, what is it like for you? Yeah. So, um, First of all, Berlin is amazing, right? So it's not only for the startup scene, uh, but it's also for the entire cultural environment, the music, nightclubs, art galleries, amazing photographers all over the city. So that's why, you know, I personally and I think everybody here loves the city so much. In terms of the startup scene, I think it's getting better and better. So when we started out, you know, SoundCloud was still like fairly small and um, a bunch of other companies just really got started. And now we can actually look at amazing startups, uh, number 26 uh, uh, SoundCloud, of course, GoEuro, amazing stuff coming out of Berlin and gets more and more professional. And with that, also more talent uh, actually show up in Berlin. Um, I would always argue that it's hard to hire good talent, but still I think it's very, very much possible in Berlin. Also for us right now, since we kind of turned into one of the biggest players in the city, um, we could kind of professionalize that a bit. Right. Um, so in terms of products, because that's your uh, yeah. area, uh, what's next on the, the roadmap? Um, yeah, so uh, we have a lot of uh, exciting stuff coming uh, up. Actually, what not a lot of people uh, know about IAM in itself, so we're not only an app, a community for photographers, but we also work a lot with technology. Um, so we are really deep into uh, artificial intelligence, computer vision, deep learning. Um, so we have developed keywording and aesthetic ranking technologies. Um, we launched this um, a couple of months, months ago called IAM Vision. So it's at the moment just an API but uh, we will keep on integrating this with an IM and also um, other products we're working on at the moment that could be really exciting. Great. But no details yet. Uh, fine. So curious about that. You're also VC-backed, so you raised um, funding uh, over the lifespan of the company. How much? Um, so the last round was um, uh, $80 million with Peter Thiel's Mala Ventures. Right. Um, for us, that was obviously amazing. I mean, being big fans of that guy, probably... Uh, I don't have to explain who this is. Um, so for us, this was really great and also like opened a lot of doors. It's an amazing team, but uh, we've always uh, been in the situation to be backed by amazing companies. Um, right. But one thing about funding is, of course, it starts a clock. So investors at some point want to get their money returned uh, at the very least. Yeah. Um, so does that kind of put pressure on you to have an exit at some point? 
So uh, I, I heard how that uh, works. Yeah, apparently it does <laughs> work that way. <laughs> it's true. Um, so um, yeah, we are fortunate, and the team that is backing us, so they're not like crazy profit driven. Uh, but we also have a very clear uh, roadmap on what we want to do, and uh, we can clearly show that this is possible with our market, uh, which works extremely well for us. And uh, next to that, there's also a massive vision evolving around the technology that we build that is powering the products that you can see live today. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential that we haven't even tapped yet. And that's what keeps everyone fascinated. Yeah, and we'll keep watching you guys. Thank okay. you very much, Lawrence. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. And finally, Amsterdam is leading funding in the Netherlands, but is trailing way behind other leading European cities like London, Paris, and Berlin. So for the sake of comparison, London raised 680 million euros in Q1 of this year. Paris, just behind London, 273 million, and Berlin in third place at 194 million. Amsterdam is only at 24 million. They're not even breaking the 100 million mark. So definitely a huge gap there. While in European rankings, Amsterdam maybe falls far behind, this is actually arguably a very solid start for Amsterdam this year. So Amsterdam performed actually very, very well in 2015. 75 local startups raised over 300 million euros combined. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we we talked about this maybe six months ago or something like that on the podcast where Amsterdam actually, oh, and the Netherlands had a strong year last year. I mean, 75 local startups is a decent number, but everyone was kind of saying, oh, no, because funding's taken a massive drop. But yeah, that was because Adyen had raised like 250 million the year before. So people were getting hung up on the total amount rather than looking at the fact that double the amount of startups had actually raised in 2015 than they had in 2014. So people do get kind of hung up on the, the wrong numbers. And as you say, that's that's a strong performance for me in 2015. I think what happened is that actually people's expectations were kind of by Adyen's monster round and Adyen doing so well, kind of everyone's expectations kind of went up and people were like, yeah, Amsterdam is attracting so much capital right now, over 500 million this year. You know, we're now just behind kind of Paris and, and Barcelona and these other cities and now we're really, really strongly competing. But, it, it, you know, half of it was from one company and I think people's expectations and kind of the hype kind of got a little ahead of itself. Yeah, I mean, that that could, that's definitely something we see actually everywhere is that you have a couple rounds like that that will really skew the data. However, in 2015, Amsterdam accounted for over 50% of all investment in Dutch startups. The city actually includes the kind of headquarters of Dutch startup darlings like Adyen, you've mentioned it, Katowiki, Afrimax. But despite these successes, they're still trailing far behind other leading European cities, especially in Q1 of this year. So I have to say, like, I'm, I'm not surprised by this at all. We often see a few large deals that skew the data. Um, we often see, especially in Europe, that there will be one city in each country that really kind of takes most of the investment. I think we see it in the UK with London, in France with Paris, in Germany with Berlin. So I'm kind of wondering, like, where isn't this the case? And is Amsterdam really so different? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, 50%, what was it, fifth, over 50% of all investment in the Netherlands last year. I mean, that's actually probably a low percentage when you look at other countries. So when you look at the UK, you look at London, London probably accounts for about 75% of the funding. That that number was plucked out of thin air, but it is around that mark. So actually, you could argue that Amsterdam isn't actually kind of contributing as much as the other kind of capital cities in the main 
countries. And, you know, that can be seen as a positive or a negative that because sometimes when you don't have a very strong hub to, to kind of attract the capital, attract the talent, then it can get a little dispersed and perhaps it becomes a little harder to kind of work on achieving a more mature ecosystem. But at the same time, you could say, you know, we've got all these little pockets of kind of little hubs uh, around the country so that, you know, there's, there's also potential there. Um, but, you know, yeah, Amsterdam isn't anywhere different from anywhere else. You always find that the kind of main city and often the capital in each country kind of attract the most investment, you know, easy transport links. There's many kind of superficial reasons behind it as well. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean, you know, Amsterdam is one of those uh, cities that does attract a decent amount of capital. But, you know, I, I think it's a long way from being talked about on the same level as Paris, Berlin, Stockholm, London, in terms of kind of attracting capital. But still, it's a very interesting city. And kind of Adyen, Katowice, you know, they prove that you can build kind of strong companies that can attract big capital. So, you know, they've done it not just once, they've done it twice, three times, whatever. You know, I think Amsterdam will continue to, to compete at a decent level. Yeah, and I was going to say exactly the same thing. I think, you know, you already have three companies really kind of leading the way for the rest of the uh, Dutch startup scene. At the same time, some of these rounds for me kind of came out of thin air. I mean, really big rounds valuing some of these companies, um, I think, over billions. So we may actually see other ones later this year. I, I would not be surprised if that was the case. So just kind of showing you that even even if Amsterdam isn't, in terms of funding at the moment, really competing with Paris, London, and Berlin, they may actually make their way up there by the end of this year. Yeah, definitely. I could definitely see that happening as well. You never know when a big round is around the corner. All of a sudden, everything changes. But that's it for this week. We'll be back, of course, next week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Acast, SoundCloud. Please give us your feedback. Reach out to us on Twitter at Neil S.W. Murray and at Roxanne Vaza at tech underscore EU. And the website is tech.eu. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Roxanne. Thanks, Neil.